Welcome to Westport Road Baptist Church. We're delighted that you've joined us for today's message. Westport Road Baptist Church is located at the corner of Hurstbourne Lane and Westport Road in Louisville, Kentucky. If you have a Bible, please have it handy and prepare your hearts and minds as we enter God's Word. Well, take out your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. We're continuing our series called Recovery, where we're talking about during this Lenten season, uh, if your faith has grown stale, how do you recover uh, the kind of faith you should have so you can truly uh, celebrate Easter with the joy that we were meant to celebrate it? Last week, we looked at one of the things we needed to do was reorient, that sometimes we get so busy, life is so hectic, that we miss what's really important in life. And we saw that the Bible told us that what's really important is loving God and loving people. So with that said, what we're going to look at this morning is how do you do that? How do you really love God and love people? How do you reconnect in the way that you should? So turn over to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to begin with verse 27. Uh, I was reading in the paper this week a story uh, about New Zealand. And New Zealand has had a lot of rain, a lot of flooding. And there was a lady by the name of... uh, Uh, Liz Comrie. And Liz had a horse that was over 20 years old by the name of Voice. And when the floodwaters came through her farm, she tried to get him out of the field. It was too late. Uh, Voice got uh, taken away in the floodwaters and and was swept down downhill. Uh, She looked for him for several days, never could find him, uh, talked to rescue workers. And they said, ma'am, this water that was coming through your farm went right out into the ocean. And we're sure a special horse that age, there was nothing that could have happened. He was swept out in the ocean and she died and he died. A couple weeks later, Liz was in her kitchen and she heard a knock on the kitchen door. Kind of a weird knock. At first she wasn't sure. And then she stopped and listened again and heard the knock again went and opened her door and her horse was standing there knocking on the door with its hoof. Got a picture of Liz and her sister and her horse right there uh, as voice had come home. Now, what's the point of all of that? Well, the point is that when it comes to loving God and loving people, that sometimes we have to try to reconnect with God. But the good news is God wants to reconnect with you a whole lot more than you want to reconnect with him. And you think that he's been lost, but he's actually standing at your door and knocking and wanting to come in. So we're going to look this morning about how do you reconnect with God. So look over to Matthew 27, verse 27. And the first thing we see is this. Often we mock anything that is different or that we don't understand. If something is different than normal, if something is different than what we think or what we've experienced, we often tend to mock it because we just don't understand it. Look down at verse 27. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. So the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, has sentenced Jesus to death. And the the charge against him was basically treason. He said he was a king. And so Jesus has been convicted of treason. He's going to be put to death for treason. He's taken by the Roman soldiers into what were called in verse 27, the praetorium. Now, the praetorium was just the great common hall where all people would have gathered uh, if they were going to see the Roman governor at his, at his estate. And so this is just a big welcoming hall that was there. They take Jesus out into that hall. Verse 28, they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him. Then they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand. They knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. Then they spit on him and they took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. And after they had mocked him, they took off the robe, 
put his own clothes on him, and led him away to crucify him. So here are these Roman soldiers. As we said last week, they have no, no skin in this game. They could care less about Jesus or anything else that's happening. They're in what they consider the, the worst part of the world and the backwater of Palestine there. They've got a terrible job with crazy religious people going around trying to kill them. And now this guy that's been convicted of treason, they're told to take him out and execute him. So they don't have a lot of sympathy for Jesus. They know it's some kind of a weird religious fight between the Jews, and that's really all that they understand. So they mock Jesus. They, they put the Roman ro- uh, scarlet robe upon him, a crown of thorns. They begin to beat him in the head and spit in his face. And it's not that they hate Jesus. They just don't understand. And when you don't understand something, we tend to react very negatively. We tend to react with fear. And that's exactly what's going on in our scripture passage. And sometimes we lose connection with God and other people because we just don't understand. A lot of times we don't understand God and the things of God and what God means when the Bible says things. And this lack of understanding of God sometimes causes us just rot to, to mock and ridicule things we don't understand. Something I've never really quite put my mind around is, you know, this thing of God, it's either true or it's not true. But if I was a person that didn't believe in God at all, I would want to know whether or not it was true. I would want to investigate it. Because if it's true, there's eternal ramifications to it. And if it's not true, don't waste your time with it. But most people don't ever get to the point of saying, I'm going to see whether it's true or not. I'm going to investigate and experience. Most people just kind of push it aside. Don't think about it. Just go through life and exist. And if it comes up at all, they just kind of laugh and rock and, and ridicule it. Well, these, this stuff is much too important for that. And uh, it's either true or it's not true. It's either something you say, okay, I investigated it. I don't believe it. I'm going to live my own life. Or it's something you say, no, it is true. And it's going to change everything I do and live and believe and who I am. But just to laugh it off is no solution to anything. But so many times when it comes to the things of God, so many people just laugh it off instead of really trying to see what's true and what's not true. And then when it comes to our relationship with other people, much is the same way. When we think about things like prejudice and racism and stereotypes, so many of those things simply come about because we don't understand and we've never experienced. And so we just have these generalities, these stereotypes that come in and take place. And so we dislike people we don't even know because they're somehow different than us. We dislike someone because their skin pigmentation is either darker or lighter than ours. So I'm not going to like you because of that. We dislike someone because we don't understand just because they live in a different part of the city or they cheer for a different sports team than we do or they wear different clothes than we do or have a different accent or a different education. And so we don't like people when we don't even know them just because of stereotypes and genealogies that's there because we tend to laugh and mock and generalize things we don't understand. And that's what the Roman soldiers are doing here with Jesus. I was reading a story this week about a man by the name of Joshua Eccles. He's a professional diver and he was doing a photo shoot with some sharks. So he was used to being around sharks when one of the sharks he thought was getting very aggressive and swam up and bumped him. Now, he knew you don't panic, you don't fight, you just kind of freeze, and that's, that's kind of what he was doing there. And the shark, though, did something unusual. It not only bumped him, it then turned its belly to him and swam off. 
something sharks don't do because that's the very sensitive side of the shark. The shark then came back, bumped him again, and turned its belly. He thought, well, that's really weird. I've never seen a shark behave this way. The shark did it a third time, and he said, something's going on. And when the shark turned its belly to him, he saw the shark had a hook in its body. And he said, I think this shark is trying to tell me to get the hook out. And so the fourth fourth time it came, he actually leaned over, grabbed the shark, and tried to pull the hook out. It was embedded too much. So Joshua knew this. If I'm going to get the hook out, I'm going to have to grab that shark by the mouth and, and hold on and pull it. Now, how many people think that's a good idea? Probably not, because what's your preconceived conception of sharks? They are mean and want to eat that hand that you're going to stick out there. And so Joshua made a decision, and the shark came and bumped into him again, turned its belly to him. He grabs it by the snout and pulls the hook out of the shark. Got a picture of the hook he put out right here. Uh, That was there, a huge hook that was a sign of the shark. The shark then did something even more amazing. It turned to swim away, came back, and instead of bunking him, turned completely around, tapped him with its tail, and swam off. Now, we have preconceived notions about God and about people, but it all comes from not knowing. And because of that, we often mock what we don't know and what we don't understand. So if that's the case, when it comes to God and people, how then do we reconnect with God? And how then do we reconnect with people? And I just want to mention one thing under both of those. So let's talk about, first of all, how do you reconnect with God? How do you reconnect with God? We begin to reconnect with God when we see the shadowness of other ways, other beliefs, and other things. Let's see how that happens in our scripture passage. Look down to chapter 27, verse 38. Chapter 27, verse 38. Now, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him. They shook their heads and they said, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. So now again, put yourself in the mindset of the Roman soldiers. You could care less about any of this stuff. That's some weird religious fight that's going on. You mock Jesus, you whip him, you take him out to crucify him. And when he's upon the cross, you see the crowd. And the crowd itself is laughing and mocking a dying man on the cross. Now, that's probably a bit much even for a Roman soldier to see, but they're trying to put it together. But what they're also trying to put it together is these same Roman soldiers had been identified at the beginning of the week and told, hey, look, there's something weird going on in Jerusalem. There's a huge crowd praising this prophet that's coming into town. And so if you're a Roman soldier, you're thinking, okay, on on the beginning of the week, They were praising him. At the end of the week, they're mocking him as he dies. And you come up with this scenario in your head, probably. Crowds are fickle things. And that's probably where you leave it at this point. Crowds are fickle, don't know what's going on. This strange religious fight continues to happen. Verse 41. In the same way, the chief priests, teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. He can't even save himself. If you're the king of the Jews, come down from the cross and then we'll believe in you. He trusts in God. Let God save him. He said, I am the son of God. And so not only does the crowd do it, so does the religious leaders. They begin to mock Jesus. Now, if you're one of the Roman soldiers, think about how this must be. These are the religious leaders. These are the good people. 
And the good people aren't satisfied with having a person put to death while he's dying in agony. They have to walk up to him and laugh at him and mock him. And suddenly you look at the silent dignity of Jesus and the mocking of the religious leaders and you begin to think, wow, one way is simply much better than the others. And if you're one of the Roman soldiers, you have to think, I don't know anything about this weird religious fight, but I sure like the guy being put to death a whole lot better than the jerks mocking him on the cross. And so that's probably going through your mind as you're looking at all this and trying to figure it out as you're comparing one thing against another. If you have somehow lost connection with God and you're trying to pull it back together, one of the things I would encourage you to do is say, what have I put in the place of God right now? What has caused me to lose that connection? Maybe you've put your, your job or, or a, 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 a fun activity or you're just, your life is so hectic you don't have time for God or, or the Bible or the church or anything like that. And you put something in the place of God. And then the question I have for you is this. When you compare what you put in the place of God to the things of God, how do they compare? Because they don't compare very favorably. If what you say is, okay, I'm putting my career in the place of God, is your career going to be better or worse if God's involved in it? Even if you put your family over God, is your family going to be better and stronger if God's a part of it or if God's separated from it? And what about what the world tells us about things all the time? The world says things like, hey, you know what? If somebody hurts you, get them back, hurt them back. And then you hear, forgive others. And you think, really, which is the higher way? Which would you rather see, forgiveness or trying to hurt somebody that hurts you? Or you hear the world say, man, if you're going to get ahead, you've got to be selfish and grab your own because nobody else is going to look out for you. Go get it. Compare what the world says about getting ahead and being selfish and grabbing what you have and somebody trying to help others and then ask yourself, really, which would I want to see? Which would I rather have? Think about anything the world says and compares it to the thing of God. Think about sex. When it comes to sex, the world says, hey, uh, you need to to please yourself and go out and sex is all about you uh, getting your physical needs met. So have sex with anybody you want, anytime you want. It's all about getting your needs met. And then you take that philosophy of sex and you compare it to the Bible that says things like, no, sex is between uh, two people when they come together in love and two people become in the most intimate act that they can, a bond of one together forever. And you compare that and you say, hey, you know what? There's no comparison to the things of God and the things of the world. So ask yourself, what am I putting in the place of God that's caused the disconnection? And then how does that compare with the things of God? And you'll begin to see it doesn't stack up very well. In Las Vegas, Calif- uh, Las Vegas, California. Okay, you know where that is. In Las Vegas, Nevada, there was a young man by the name of Daniel Rivas. Daniel is a mentally handicapped uh, young man, also has Down syndrome. And uh, Daniel always wanted to go to the prom. And so when proms came around this spring, Daniel began to go every day and ask different girls in the lunchroom to go to the prom with him. Now, the reaction was always the same. The girls would laugh. Everybody else at the table would laugh. They would make fun of Daniel, and he would leave. He did this for a couple weeks. Every day, asking different girls at the prom, girls laughing at him, the whole table laughing, Daniel leaving. Finally, one day, he asked a girl to the prom. She started laughing before it even came out of the mouth. The whole table started laughing. Daniel broke down and started crying. And then a girl got up, walked across the lunchroom by the name of Kelly Forneas. Kelly was a cheerleader. 
at this high school in Las Vegas. She walked up to Daniel, put her arm around him and said, Daniel, you've never asked me, but if you would like, I would like to ask you to go to the prom with me. Daniel continued to cry, said he would love to go to the prom with her. Well, there's something in Las Vegas called the Surprise Squad on Fox 5. And somehow they heard about Kelly asking Daniel to the prom. So when it came prom day and they got out to go, suddenly a big limousine pulled up in front of the house. And the Surprise Squad from Fox 5 jumped out. And they took Daniel and Kelly to dinner. But it wasn't where the rest of the prom was eating. It was the most expensive restaurant in all of Las Vegas. And they had anything they wanted. Daniel wanted a steak and, and french fries. And that's, that's, that's what he had with ketchup. And so they had their meal. They got to the prom and there was a red carpet rolled out for them. When they got to the end of the prom, they put a crown on both of their heads and they said, Daniel, your Facebook page said you always wanted to go to college, but you don't know if you'll have the money. We're going to give you a full scholarship to college. And they gave him a check and they told Kelly, they said, Kelly, guess what? We heard that you just turned 16 and a car dealership has donated a car to you. Now, here's the thing. Why would Fox 5 in Vegas go to all of this trouble? Because when you compare one thing, the way most of the students were acting to Daniel, to the way another person was acting, there was no comparison. And it was so different. And so what we really want, Fox 5 reacted in that way. When we begin to say, what has caused me to lose connection with God? And what do I need to get it back? And we say, what I'm putting in the place of God pales in place place of what God wants to do with me. Everything looks different. So that's one way we can connect with God is when we begin to compare what we put in God's place to begin with. So now let's look at people. How do we get to love people better? How do we get that connection to people? Well, we begin to connect with people when we go from generalities to having personal encounters with them. When you go from stereotypes and generally viewing people and categorizing people to actually knowing a person individually, it will change everything about how you feel and what you see about that person. Turn over to Luke chapter 23. Luke chapter 23. This is the same story continuing, but Luke adds one little tidbit uh, that's not in Matthew that I wanted to look at here. Luke 23 down to verse 32. Now, two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. And when they came to the place called the skull, there they crucified him along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Now, again, keep in your mind that you're a Roman soldier. So the day has started, some weird religious fight. A guy's accused of treason. That's a religious leader. You mock him. You whip him, you take him out to crucify him. While you're out there, you see the crowd. The crowd is laughing and mocking as you take him out. The religious leaders aren't just satisfied with having him die. They want to laugh and mock him too. And so suddenly you're getting a little bit different feeling about the guy. And then you take the nails and you drive the nails into his wrist and the balls of his feet. Excruciating pain. Everything about it was to make you hurt. Crucifixion was the worst punishment Rome could give, and they only gave it to the worst criminals. And so you're literally driving the nails into his wrists, and Jesus looks up at you and says, Father, forgive him. He doesn't really know what he's doing. How do you think that would make you feel? And suddenly Jesus goes from some abstract generality, some religious weird leader who's being executed, 
to somebody that's looking you in the eye and saying, Father, I, I don't hold this against him. He's just doing his job. He doesn't even know what's going on here. And suddenly it looks so different because you've gone from stereotype to knowing somebody as an individual. If you want to know how to connect with people, you've got to get to know people individually. It's easy to have prejudice and racism and stereotypes when all you know is no groups and generalities. Well, I don't like this whole group of people because they cheer for the wrong, the wrong, the wrong sports team. I tell you, the other day I was driving down the road and I was listening to Kentucky Sports Radio. And when it went off, I went to the Louisville Afternoon Underdogs. They were different. And I found out they didn't like each other very much. Not at all. And as a matter of fact, one person called in and said, well, I cheer for both teams. And they just said, click. Well, we're not going to have an idiot like that on our show. You know, they really don't like each other. That's over sports. How many people here have somebody in your family that cheers for the other team? Okay. You need to have a come to Jesus meeting. That's all I'm saying. Do you still love them? Well, maybe not during basketball season (laughs) quite as much. Yeah, you do. Because you know them more than just as somebody that cheers for a sports team. When you begin to see people not as stereotypes, but as individuals, it changes everything. When you realize that every person that walks upon this planet, I don't care what the pigmentation of their skin color is. I don't care where they live. I don't care how they dress or what their education level is. I don't care whether they agree with you on issues, if they're from a different political party. Every person upon this planet was created in God's image, is beloved by him, and Jesus went to the cross and died for. And when you begin to see people that way, it's hard to hold the stereotypes when you see individuals Jesus loved and died for. Ginger Brown owns a restaurant in Texas called The Art of the Mill. And they have all this artwork and everything uh, that contemporary uh, artists in Austin, Texas have done all over the walls and everything. Kind of real trendy uh, uh, restaurant there. And every day for three years... The same homeless guy would come out of the alley and stand on the street corner. And people would come in and say, man, that weird guy's on the street corner across from your restaurant. And, they, and every day, and people would say, man, you need to call 911. You need to have that guy arrested. And one day a lady came in and said, that weird guy's out there again. I tell you, you just need to call the police. This is, there's something creepy about that guy. And Ginger said, well, I'm going to go over and talk to him. And they said, no, no, don't do that. He's, he's obviously crazy. And she said, well, I'm just going to go talk to him. Ginger went over and began to talk to the guy and then began to walk with him back to the restaurant. And the whole restaurant starts to panic. You know, they're pulling out their phones. 911 on speed dial right here. As soon as they come in, he's probably kidnapped her or something. They open the door and come in and they're both crying. And somebody says, what's going on? And Ginger said, I just walked over and I started talking to him. And I said, what's your name? And he said, Victor. And I said, Victor, what are you doing here every day? Victor obviously had some severe mental issues. And Victor said, three years ago, my mom let me out of the car on this street corner and said, wait here and I'll come back for you. And so every day I sleep in that alley and I wait for her to come back. Now, you hear that story, 
Do you get a different view of the person suddenly? This isn't some crazy person standing on the street corner. It's a very confused young man waiting for his mom who's abandoned him. So Ginger had a friend that was a social worker. She called him. She came in and got Victor, uh, said, Victor, I'm going to take you with me. We're going we're to get you some help. Uh, they, they got him in to, to see some doctors. They got him into a, a communal home for people that had mental disabilities. Uh, Ginger would go see him once a week and take him some lunch from uh, the art of the meal. And one day she was over there and, and the person that ran the home said, we think Victor's going to, uh, has progressed to the point where he's able to get a job. So guess where Victor works today? Anybody got a guess? He works at the Art of the Mill, and this is Ginger and Victor right there. When you go from generality and stereotype to knowing somebody individually as a child of God, it's hard to hate them, it's hard to laugh at them, it's hard to mock them, it changes everything. And that brings us to the last thing that we see. Reconnecting with God and other people will lead you to a higher plane of life. Reconnecting to God and other people will lead you to a higher plane of life. Isn't that really what we want? Don't we want to know how to live our life to the fullest and to the best? And yet we're told right so simply that when you really connect with God the way that you should in relationship, when you really love people the way that you should, it leads you to the highest way you can live your life. So why isn't that something everybody wants to do? Let's see how that happens in our scripture passage. Go back to Matthew 27. Matthew 27, down to verse 50. When Jesus had cried again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Now, this is more than just the death of Jesus. Again, you're the Roman soldiers. This would have stunned you. Crucifixion sapped your energy. To have enough energy to rise up and to scream with a loud voice would have gotten everyone's attention. Not only that, since noon, there had been an eclipse and it was dark. And so it was kind of weird and eerie anyway. And then suddenly Jesus cries out, verse 51. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the, from the top to the bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and then down to verse 54. And when the centurion and those with who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, all that happened, they were terrified and they exclaimed, surely this was the Son of God. So you're one of the Roman soldiers. You start out, it's an execution detail. You don't know anything about this except this weird religious leader guy that people were praising on Monday is now being put to death. And so you laugh at him, you mock him, you don't understand. And that's how you deal with anything you don't understand. You laugh and mock. Then you go to the cross and you see the crowd that's condemning him and laughing at him. The same crowd that praised him a week earlier. You see the religious leaders and they're laughing and mocking a dying man. And man, the two just don't stack up. Jesus' dignity is much higher than the religious leaders' uh, littleness and belittling. And then Jesus looks at you while you're driving the nails and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And all of this is going through your mind. And then at noon, it gets completely dark at the hottest part of the day. And you're weirded out. And then three hours later, when his energy should have been sapped, Jesus rises up, cries out in a loud voice and dies. And when he dies, the earth begins to shake and lightning comes out of the sky. And the scripture says, you're terrified. And then they put it all together and they say, surely this man was the son of God. They weren't the same people they were when the morning started. 
their laughing and mocking at Jesus has now changed to this man's the son of God. You see, when you reconnect with God and when you reconnect with people, it leads you to a different place. And brutal Roman soldiers, tough, rough Roman soldiers, laughing and mocking a man earlier in the morning are now praising him as the son of God. And that's what happens when that encounter takes place. We need to understand that this world we live in, it's kind of an experiment of how you're going to love God and love other people. And boy, don't we fail that every day. Uh, We don't do a very good job of that. How simple it is. People make the Bible and God so complicated when all it's about is go out there and treat people the way you would want to be treated. Do good to people. Help everyone. Love God. And man, that's what Jesus said the whole Bible is about. Everything from beginning to end. Wouldn't it be nice if we could love people the way dogs love everybody? You know, dogs don't care if you're mean or you're ugly or you wear the wrong clothes or anything like that. Dogs just love everybody and everything. Do you want proof that dog loves everybody and everything? Anybody want any proof? Yes, thank you. Yes, I'll prove it to you then. Dogs love everybody. That's how it is right there. You want more proof? There you go. Dogs love everybody. You want more proof? Dogs love everybody. What, what, well, my goodness, dogs. But what about cats and dogs? Okay. So dogs have this innate ability to love anybody and anything. So what I'm saying to you is, don't be a dog this week. Okay? Now, I know what you're going to tell people when this sermon's over. Chip called me a dog. I promise you I didn't. I said, I wish you could act like a dog. That's what I said about you, okay? So let's start being people that really know that what this life is about. It's about love, loving God and loving other people. And when you reconnect, you're going to find a higher plane of living than you were on before. Let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for loving us when we weren't very lovable sometimes. Help us, Lord, to realize that our life is lived to the fullest when we just care about other people and and seek to love you as well. Father, that's what it's all about. Help us do that this week. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's lesson and that it spoke to you. If you have prayer needs or want more information about us, we invite you to stop by our website, mywrbc.org, and click on contact. Please use the word podcast in the subject line. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Keyword, mywrbc. At Westport Road Baptist Church, we love God and love people. Please join us for Sunday morning service at either 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. We also have Sunday school for all ages during both service times. Thanks again for listening and join us next week for another message from God's Word.